On this episode, we're going to talk about how a luxury fashion retail brand can leverage social commerce. Let's do it. With so many different platforms, and their purposes evolving daily, navigating social media can be, well, complicated. Welcome to the Social Media Sucks Podcast from Cupco. Social media. Social media. Social media. Where we unpack the latest trends and help remove the suck from social media. Welcome to the Social Media Sucks Podcast by Cupco. You tune in for a dose of marketing and to get what's happening in the ever-changing social media landscape. So today we're going to talk about how a retail brand like Minto leverages social commerce. And today with me we have the CMO, Malte Sederborg. Yes. And so. as always, our social media guru and cowboy, Chris Covenus. Yeah, I'll take away the guru part, but I'll keep the cowboy part. So, hey, what's yeah. up, guys? And um, so, Melde, please tell us a little bit about... Okay, we have a pun in here, actually, for me to introduce the M&M, which is Melde mm. and Minto. Is that M&M? M&M, yeah. Melde and Minto, I like that. That's nice. It's yeah. a... Yeah. First, yeah. first time. Yeah. I've not heard that before. <laughs> is that how it is? Okay. I, I like she, it. She she came out with that. <laughs> yeah. Job Hara, I love it. Nice work. So we're smart in here, right? Yeah. Okay. Please tell us a little bit about yourself and then your experience in the fashion industry, especially within e-commerce, and mm. then maybe a little bit about, about the brand Minto as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I can start by I don't have a long history in in fashion. Uh, I've been in fashion for five years uh, at Minto, where I'm I'm the CMO, heading up our marketing team. Uh, before that, I sold books. So a very different industry. Mm. Uh, I was for four years at, at Saks.com, uh, mm. the, the biggest Danish e-commerce uh, on, on books, um, and and started my uh, my career there before before joining Minto. Mm. Other than that, uh, 31, two kids, fiance, apartment. <laughs> Everything. Yeah, <laughs> very uh, cool. Very basic. So strong. Nice. So actually a strong background in e-commerce. Yes, yes, it's e-commerce that, I, that mm-hmm. not not necessarily fashion. I've I've yeah. grown into that, but e-commerce, yeah. Yeah, of course, and digital in general. Like yes, and I think you've had a very interesting career because you've really like everywhere you've gone, you've kind of like grown really fast into the head role of marketing, mm. which is kind of cool, right? And you're still a young guy, so it's like it's actually quite interesting to see sort of how you've carved out your own sort of space in the places that you've been and really like taken a, a large step forward so it's it's quite quite interesting to see and you're also on the m list which is super nice um that's the danish what do you call it dance market sphering that's <laughs> yeah. my danish for you guys i love it was it good yeah. was it okay so the danish marketing industry media sort of announces you know the top talents in the yeah. industry and and you've done that uh, two years in a row and you've also been in berlinska which is a danish business um uh, paper, newspaper, newspaper yeah. right? So you've actually um, you've got quite a great career going. So thank you. kudos, thank yeah. you, yeah. thank you for joining us. Then, and uh, what about Minto? Can you introduce the brand a little bit? Yes, uh, yeah. So we are a, a marketplace for uh, for fashion boutiques. So what what we say about ourselves is that we are the world's best fashion boutiques in one place, uh, making it uh, a one one uh, destination that customers can go to to buy from whatever brand, whatever uh, shop they want to get the best in fashion. Mm. Great. Um, so everything from from premium luxury and, and hand-picked local fashion is is what we focus on. Yeah. yeah. And Great. what would you say is like your guys' secret sauce compared to like other 
retailers? I think it's very much that focus on, on the customer that, that we actually navigate a lot in what the customers want, not necessarily being a niche in fashion, which is very much the norm that mm. you either are a mass market or a luxury or yeah. a vintage destination. Okay. We, right. we combine it. So, so customers mm. get both those sneakers they want, those uh, dresses and that handbag they want in one place. Okay. okay. That's cool. actually very interesting when you talk about this cu- the customer side, right? So let's, uh, I want to dip into this social media and customer service experience from Minto's pers- perspective. Mm. So you guys on social have uh, a quarter million followers across different platforms. That's Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and LinkedIn. So what's your approach to social and like, what do you use it for? How do you connect with your community or customers mm. on the platforms? Um, I think we use it in different ways. We, we uh, The last one you mentioned in terms of LinkedIn is, mm. is kind of a, a point we use to, of course, attract talents, but also uh, communicate to partners and, and to our investors mm. uh, what we're doing, um, yeah. how we as a business open up about mm. our stories. So we are not just coming out once a year with a report. We're trying to share what is happening at the office, what is yeah. what is moving in our industry, and and what are we doing. Mm. Um, so that's one part of it. Mm. Then then customer facing, it's it's a lot about Instagram and and, and Facebook. Um, what we do is we use it as a platform for creating, uh, sharing our content, mm. but then using a lot of focus on the paid part of it. Okay. Uh, the paid reach in those channels. Our customers are on, on social media. Mm. Uh, the organic part is not as uh, uh, um, as um, reaching anymore. If mm. to, to use that uh, yeah, that way of looking yeah. at, yeah. Uh, but the paid part is very much a, a good media to to reach customers and yeah. to to reengage. Yeah, I guess the brands that you guys deal with mostly, I mean, they're building their brand through their own social channels, right? So it's really about sort of you guys just capitalizing on okay where can they buy so being there at that moment of when they want to actually purchase something versus maybe building a solid relationship Mm. sort of outside of those zones on social right because those brands are going to do that for themselves anyway Mm. yeah 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 you could say one of the biggest categories on social media is fashion so there's a lot happening a lot of content is being created a lot from from uh, from customers themselves a Mm. lot from the brands yeah Uh, so it's about tapping into that and and being there when they want to buy something because yeah. we are a destination for making a purchase of course. Yeah, and exactly. making it easy. Yeah. yeah. How do you deliver this luxury customer experience on social media then? Because it's when you only live in the digital space, how do you mm. carry that? Um, it, it's a lot about how, how we go about our content. Yeah. It, it is t- trying to put together uh, items to give that feel of what we have to offer. Okay. And if, if you Can look you at some of that, yeah. yeah, because if you look at some of the content we do, what we actually do is we take some of the best items we mm. have from different shops, yeah, and then we combine it in kind of collages mm. or in in in, uh, in photo shoots mm. to create that feeling of you can both get within the premium, within the vintage, within okay. the luxury. So it's kind of a mood board almost yeah. feel that yeah. you carry like a, yeah. a vibe or a mood. Yeah. Sort of like what magazines do. Like, yeah. here's your top five picks for the summer. Yeah. A bit like you that. need the sandals, yeah. you need this bag, yeah. you need this dress. Also to create this holistic kind of feel to it, right? Yes. Yeah, but also because it, it, it what we did in the past was we relied a lot on uh, partners content mm. and uh, yeah, right. we don't touch the products. So that's that's the the tough part. We cannot just mm. go out to a robot warehouse and pick up 20 items and then yeah. shoot them. Mm. Uh, we we uh, together with our shops select what is going to 
be hot in the season. Okay. Ah, and then cool. we shoot something around that to give that okay. feeling of a mental content mm. and not necessarily something generic from a magazine or from right. different image banks. Oh, okay. So that's that's a way we can kind of get our hands on yeah. the products and, and actually show them. And control of yeah. your own. Yes. That's okay, cool. That's that's interesting. I'm just going to sort of hijack this a bit. So you yeah. talked a little bit about the paid side being important for you guys. Uh, how have you seen the sort of paid because you've been there for five years. How have you seen it progressed? How do you think, how has it changed for you guys? And, and sort of what are you doing now that you probably didn't do three or four years ago on, on the paid side? Mm. Um, yeah, when I started, the, the, the notion was already that the, the organic part of, for example, Facebook and Instagram was tough. It was, mm. it was difficult unless you had that really strong brand yourself mm. and being something with a product or being a producer of something right uh, to get a reach based on just posting something yeah uh, and that have only gotten gotten worse along the way so okay. what we've seen is that it's still a valuable platform to engage mm. but it is very much now a paid media channel and yeah. it, it's people are still on it mm. so it's it's not that people are not around the algorithms are just not giving you the reach when just posting yeah of course did you guys see a lot of changes after the whole iOS? 14 sort of fix it or changes like with the whole targeting yeah. yes yes for sure with the targeting yeah. that that remarketing list got shorter uh lookalikes got more difficult uh yeah. that that you had to rethink how mm. you could do targeting mm. uh had us also forced us to be a bit more open about trying out different target groups okay than relying only on remarketing lists for example because okay. they they get shorter okay. and shorter lifespans ah oh, that's mm. interesting so you've had to expand a bit and, and maybe talk to uh, customers or potential customers that you hadn't really reached before. Yes. Mm. Ah, okay. Interesting. But what about then, how do you then build, since you have to build this different different customers, then it's kind of you expanding your community within digital space, right? Mm. So how do you build, how do you connect your community or how do you, how the brand connects with your community? Do you have any efforts for that? Um, a lot on LinkedIn, okay. a, a lot ah, in terms okay. of of uh, partners and, and the the B2B and, and employer mm. part. Okay. Uh, it's it's very much difficult on the on the customer side. Yeah. Especially because we're catering 14 markets. Mm. Um uh, 5000 different uh, okay. brands within fashion. Yeah. Half a million products. Yeah. So it's very much uh it it, it needs to fit a lot of people and yeah. it needs to be more focused on the mental brand mm. and less about that one-to-one communication okay because that's very difficult for us as a marketplace of course okay interesting uh let's talk a little bit more about this uh how you use how you leverage social media to drive sales because obviously since you only live online it's full digital then uh, how do you use you mostly use pay to drive awareness and and sales but do you have any uh main channels that you do pay social paid social on and how do you have the specific the specific strategies you have for those channels mm. Uh, yes, it, it's very much centered around Instagram and Facebook, mm. where we where we can see we can get the reach of our our ads. Mm. Um, we talk about these channels as as our mid funnel, and yeah. okay. that's that's uh, a lot of what we do is is based on the lower funnel. It is tapping mm. into demand in the mm. market and, yeah. and and making sure that we are relevant when people want to buy. Yeah, it makes yeah. sense. Um, but of course, that also has its limitations. You cannot. There is not infinite demand. So you also need to move up a bit and try to inspire and, and reach new customers. And that's what we use it for. Yeah. What about the live shopping on 
let's mm. say Facebook, TikTok, and, and Instagram. Mm. How do you uh, are you expanding on that? No, a, a bit actually. Like like in terms of how we go about not communicating one to one, we communicate more on a, on the Minto brand and, and our assortment. Okay. Uh, because live shopping for us is very difficult. Uh, we do not touch the product, mm. uh, yeah. and and we cannot just go out to the warehouse and, and pick up items. No. At yeah. the same time, if we uh, promote a specific dress, yeah, it sells out in five minutes. Okay. So l- live shopping uh, would be a nightmare because customers would be sitting and, and watching, and we would be sold out before we even started the show. Mm. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's not really an option That's for awesome. us to take that one item so, approach. Of course. Uh, we we need to talk more about the different brands and inspire a bit more in, in yeah. categories and styles yeah. and not on item level, which is very much what we see live shopping is about. It's taking that dress and showing it off and and, and it's a really good way of getting one item out. Mm. Uh, but as a marketplace, you don't have that deep, deep stock. No. So it's very difficult to pick an item that has enough and not just sells out. But that's very interesting because it is different than for your brand with uh, luxury brands instead of, you know, large retail mm. brands yeah so that's a significant difference that's actually yeah and really i mean you haven't seen that across a lot of luxury brands they're not really like jumping straight full into live no uh, shopping right or, or like you know using instagram live or something like that because it isn't it isn't a mass market approach like you, you can't and you want to sort of also there's a little bit of scarcity involved in in the customer experience a bit you don't want it to seem like everybody can go get that handbag or that mm. whatever it is it's, no. it's a certain group of people right so you know at live selling qvc style like by now like only yeah. 199 mm. <laughs> only two easy <laughs> payments of 20 dollars. it just doesn't exist right it doesn't make sense for that so i think like you're right uh it's tough for you guys you have to sell on the category not so much on mm. the the item but even then it, i don't even know if live shopping would even make sense for you guys in that aspect because people are so used to like seeing Here's the shirt. Here's the makeup. Here's the whatever it is like mm. for live shopping, and it's just not the way that you guys do business, right? So it no, presents and, some challenges and, there. And we also see our that those competitors doing it, and 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 probably with success is yeah. the ones that is way more focused on the mass market or high street market, mm. and and selling. Uh, less expensive items, but large volumes, yeah. and maybe having twenty thousand in stock of a red yeah. T-shirt. So it's more, it's fast fashion, right? Yeah, yeah. fast fashion, and and we're very much not focused on that category. Mm. That's interesting. Are you? Uh, maybe this is also a little bit off topic, but then you guys might actually ride the wave quite well with you know, uh, what's it called? Patrick de Hill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sustainability. sustainability yeah, yeah, yeah. Sustain- oh yeah. Yes. yeah. So you guys are very much high- riding the wave of sustainability, right? Yeah. That feeds maybe perfectly into your guys' philosophy of not carrying a fast fashion. It should us, in, in the sense that we don't want to focus on the fast fashion industry. And, and um, it's not that it's it's not it's not our brand. We are not a sustainable company. Mm. Uh, fashion is not sustainable. That's mm. that's kind of the bottom line. Mm. If, if fashion was sustainable, they would stop producing. Uh, that's that's kind of uh, kind yeah. of the setting. Very honest. <laughs> yeah, but it, yeah. It, and and that's how we also want to go about it. Yeah. It's it's not not trying to put a green label on a T-shirt and saying it's it's sustainable because mm. it's it, it's never gonna be. Right. It, then you shouldn't mm. produce that T-shirt and you should just wear the same T-shirt you yeah. had last year. That's um, a good point. Mm. Yeah, but I think that's the honest approach, and I think like a lot of uh, brands want to sort of mask, like you said, like this is sustainable, but. Uh, it's greenwashing, it? mm. right? Yeah, yeah, is it really? So yeah, it's good that you guys have sort of taken a stand. Like, 
we know what we are we know what we do it's mm. not meant to like trick people into buying it so no 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 and and, and it's it's uh i think we have found our ways we we are very much engaged in the in the vintage category mm. with pre-loved mm. items um, no, that's a sustainable it's way, a sustainable way of doing it and and, yeah. and using the items again yeah. uh and and collaborating with partners that also enables customers yeah. to to resell and yeah. and sell to other mental customers have um, you seen that category grow a lot in the last five years it, it's our fastest yeah. growing category yeah i would imagine it would be it's yeah. really interesting to see yeah. because a lot of our competitors have done it more as a marketing stunt mm. and mm. maybe ending up doing one percent of their business uh yeah. we okay. are well on our way to plus 10 percent of our business mm. and expect to get to a quarter yeah. of our business within a couple of years. Yeah, I mean, you see you're also your, I don't know if you'd even consider them your competitors, but you do see this this trend within even large marketplaces that are fast fashion marketplaces that they're trying to get into that used clothing mm. market, right? Mm. So um, it's quite it's quite an interesting space that I think will, like you said, it's just fast growing and will continue to grow. Mm. Um, so that's quite interesting. Does that, so then, how does that necessarily work like is it the brands then buying back or is it specific retailers that have decided to focus on used like vintage clothing is that how that works or is it the brands that are buying stuff back so it it, it works like we started the company 13 years ago um, not i didn't but the company started back then uh mm. and it, it's focused around uh, vintage shops Mm. Okay. So it's it's uh, smaller shops or, or bigger shops that that uh, curate an assortment of uh, vintage items mm. and then display it on Minto. Yeah, you guys don't see like the actual like brands going to there like they are beginning to move, yeah. but they are a bit slower on it. Yeah. Uh, mm. Where in in the city streets you would see uh, vintage shops and you have been seeing those for years now, yeah. and they're really good at curating and having good items on on shelves. Mm. Uh, brands are beginning to move on it. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's not uh, it's not as fast as as many of these shops that is no. already well established. Yeah. Okay. Do you know what category within vintage is like the fastest moving? It it, it it's the, um, in the industry there is a lot of movement in terms of uh, actually bringing vintage within fast fashion, which is a web, very weird mix. Okay. Because it's your cheap T-shirt that you would resell. Yeah, mm. and it, it does make sense because it should be resold. It should not yeah. just be dumped on a on a dump ground. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen old Marvel T-shirts go like bananas, like selling okay. for four hundred dollars. Like they used to do these overprint ones uh. in the '90s that were like the entire shirt was it's, basically okay. like Spider-Man, and mm. Mm. and those have been blowing up like crazy. Yeah, so that's I a think, collector. Yeah, it's item collectibles kind of thing, right? in some way, yeah. right? So, and it, but it is fast fashion, like. Yeah, you know, thirty years ago, it was sold for ten bucks or fifteen bucks on some place like mm. at Walmart, and now it's four hundred dollars. <laughs> it's like holy shit! And that that is part of it. It it, it is there is a booming of that nineties clothing, skater mm, clothes, yeah. and so that that is going into vintage. Yeah. Uh, but the, one of the biggest category, and at least for us, it's is bags, handbags. Mm. Yeah, I thought those would be bags would be the biggest category. Yeah. It, it is yeah. also for us, uh, and yeah. it's also in the industry still. It's one of the biggest, yeah. um, and it's yeah. growing very fast as well. Yeah, mm. you just saw that. Um, What's the brand? Maybe it was Balenciaga. Yeah, I'm saying it wrong. I Balenciaga. Know. Yeah, they they had like these. I think it's called the Paris shoe. Have you seen these? Like they're new shoes, but they're so fucked. They look like they're like not, they look like a hundred years old. Have you really? seen these? No. Yeah, they look like they've been through hell. So like that's another category, and not vintage, but it's like trashed. Yeah, it's super trashed. Like really, 
like really worn but out. But isn't that tapping into the trend of, you know, when people bought new Converse, they would try to make them seem as used as possible. Exactly. Yeah. It's the same like category. The, kind of the same thing, right? Yeah. Mm. But Just in luxury instead of yeah, uh, I think it's, covers. It, it also goes off of that whole, I mean, it's the biggest trend of like, you don't want to, you know, I don't think people want the newest stuff. They want to feel also like they're sustainable. Like they want to present something to the world that, Hey, I'm not going out I'm buying conscious about. Yeah, exactly. I'm not going out buying brand new bags. Like mm. I'm, this is an old bag like this. Mm. This was something that even maybe if it's not. Yeah. It's a statement you make, right? With the items you carry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you mentioned a lot about um, your guys are trying to build Minto as the brand, right? Instead of the specific one-to-one -one customer experience. Mm. Uh, do you have any key activities that you do then to grow your brand and build uh, your connection with the stakeholders? Yeah, I, I think it was a it, 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 it cannot be uh, me telling that story necessarily, but but we started hiring a smaller in-house agency, okay. uh, starting with the, the first guy, Peter, that I, I got on board uh, one and a half year ago mm. to really head up this project okay. and uh, and begin focusing more on not just the basics within e-commerce that I came from mm. and understands very well, mm. but to try to connect the dots. Mm. So not looking different in all the touch points, not having a different tone of voice in all touch points and okay. kind of uniting the brand yeah. a bit more across the, the different touch points. So that has very much been the last year mm. and it's going to be the next year as well. Okay. It That's is great. to really give that feeling across the board mm. in the packaging, in the, the way we communicate our order emails, in our customer service, in yeah. okay. everything we do making it minto yeah okay so making everything streamlined yeah okay that's right. you guys in-house a lot of stuff uh we had already in-house but but it's um especially that exercise it, mm. it was a matter of finding a small small team that was just very ambitious on the topic and yeah. then just let them free i would say mm -hmm. uh that's nice it's very much and and they have their own corner they uh are very messy around the office <laughs> very different from many of of the other clean desks yeah okay but it works and and they are uh, yeah. they're a great bunch of of uh, of, of guys that yeah. is just waking up every morning dreaming about making mint to the biggest brand in the industry and awesome. fighting for making everything better that's and nice. is, is yelling when something is not good enough exactly mm. like they should okay uh speaking of uh things that might not be good enough. Uh, do you see any areas where Minto could grow within, but in the digital space? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it, 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 plenty. Uh, <laughs> but it's it's uh, we have launched fourteen markets, uh, and it's it's we are still a fairly small player mm. in many of the markets. Yeah. So we have a presence and an awareness in all the markets that we need to to work on. And yeah. one of our biggest efforts on building that is around creating our own style of content mm. and then getting it out there and okay. where paid social is a lot of the strategy to get it out yeah okay have you seen any key elements in the content that uh, is really driving uh, conversions um yeah in in terms of conversions it's a lot about the products mm. it, it's it's about um creating that need for going in and see what we have okay. because you get hooked on for example, that Prada bag we show off mm. or that pair of sneakers that is really hot and you didn't know you could get on our platform. Okay. So it, it, those very much in-demand items and categories mm. showing that you can find it at our place yeah. and then people start navigating and some convert. Yeah. How do you recognize then the, the need, the trend? How do you actually tap into that insight? Where do we get that insight? 
I think the beauty beauty is that we have uh, 120 million visitors a year, mm. uh, meaning that we have a, a lot. lot of data on yeah. on what is moving, uh, okay. and we cover pretty much every brand in the fashion industry from that mid market and up to the luxury. Mm. Meaning we know what is moving, no matter if it's if it's a brand or if it's a category, or if it's a style or a color, mm. uh, and we know it across markets. So it's not just a Danish thing or a mm. A Dutch thing, it's it's a European thing or a, even a UK yeah. thing. Okay, yeah. we've seen like with the Facebook stuff because it has become a little bit more difficult. Um, we've seen our customers and also us moving more and more to sort of YouTube advertising mm. uh, because the targeting is a little bit easier and and yeah, you could say not really necessarily cookie based. Mm. Um, have you guys experimented with YouTube ads? What's been your experience? What's uh, has it worked? Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, we have we have touched quite a lot, um, and with very um, quick and dirty uh, experiment type content, and and what we have planned for actually next quarter is to go a bit up in quality of our content and creativity okay. around our content because okay. we believe that that should give us a chance to actually promote, especially our premium and vintage categories even better, yeah, uh, and give a, a better feeling of that. I think. Uh, I think what's driving that, at least from uh, our perspective, is that creative is the fulcrum or the, is the point of difference. Like, I think social media thus far has been about can you scale content? Can you get some messages out there? And brands have successfully sort of gotten to that place. And now it's like, oh shit, now it's not necessarily just about getting something out there. It's how do we stand out hmm. in this extremely noisy environment? So I think. Like you're experiencing, okay, we got to be a little bit more creative. We got to be a little bit more interesting. We're also experiencing that with our customers that are just saying like, how do we take it to the next level? How do we do something that's really interesting? Mm. Mm. So you're coming at the same time that, uh, you know, other brands are, so which is, which is quite, quite cool to see. Mm. Everybody's investing in creativity. Yeah. Yeah. So I like that. That's nice. Interesting. Yeah, I think it's beginning, it's beginning to move and, and, and we're probably just a part of that wave that, yeah that understanding that digital ads is not just a quick picture and then you push it with a lot of money behind it. Mm. Yeah. You also need to think the traditional way of marketing that you need to have a story, you need to understand what you're saying and to who. Exactly. Yeah, it used uh, to be that. Yeah. It's like, uh, there's this ad that sticks in my mind all the time within the fashion industry, which is, it's this company, I don't even remember what they were called, um, but they basically, they were selling like kimonos and robes mm -hmm. And the first ad I saw with them was literally just a guy watering his lawn in like a really weird place with this kimono robe or kimono on. Yeah, okay. And I was like, and the guy was clearly like a bit off. He wasn't a model. He wasn't like, he was just a regular dude. Yeah. And that just struck me as like, that's an interesting ad. Like, because mm. it's not in a studio. It's mm. not like it was creative in yeah. a sense. And I think like, that uh, that that sort of creativity in ads and and being a little bit different is is what's really separating mm. the brands these days. Being yeah. a little bit out there, being special in mm. some ways. Because the funny thing is, I noticed you said you're gonna up your quality in content, and that can actually mean different stuff, right? Like quality doesn't necessarily mean polished. Because we also see this trend in the authentic versus polished content. Mm. And that's actually very interesting when you're carrying, you know, the luxury brand side. So given the current wave, it's 
it puts a lot of emphasis on being authentic, on you know, and relatable on social, right, and in mm. digital space. So it would actually be very interesting to know how you guys interpret it. So what's the future direction for your guys' content creation? Mm. Yeah, and I think if if we were um, if we were betting all our money on building that more um, organic mm. growth and more of an organic following, uh, yeah. then I then I would also go in that direction mm. and, and create that relatable content. Uh, when we use it as more of a of a media platform, yeah. uh, we just see that the ad quality also works when you mm. when you try to push it out to new customers that doesn't necessarily know your brand, mm. but that you're trying to get a hook in. Yeah, that you also kind of need to to sell it a bit more than just creating that connection. Mm. Okay. So what uh, what platforms do you think you would want to grow on and monetize for, uh, further in the future? Uh, we, we for sure have efforts focused on, on, on building our Instagram account more. Mm. Uh, because of different markets? or Because of different markets. And also we had a strategy in the past where um, we had uh, separate accounts per markets. Mm. And now we are um, gathering them into, yeah, yeah. into yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because now our marketplace is also one marketplace across the markets. We have the same assortment. We have the same kind of brands. Yeah. Mm. Uh, different from five years ago where we were more split between mm. markets. Yeah. So consolidating that, but for sure we will continue to be very focused on, on, on Facebook and Instagram and then more YouTube. Okay. Yeah. Do you have your eye on like sort of the metaverse? We see a lot of retailers starting to set up shop, mm. have sort of a, you know, getting prepared for a metaverse shop of some kind. Mm. Is that something you guys are keeping an eye on? or? Uh, keeping an eye on yes <laughs> doing no, no okay, uh, it, where do you think that's going to end do you think that's just a fad or well, what's your thoughts there uh, there's for sure some that is going to do something and 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 uh, and and some might succeed in in some way or another yeah. uh, is it our game now no we no. have many other things to do and mm. and many other things we believe even more in mm. um, yeah. we may be a bit more uh, pragmatic in our approach to to channels and and how to use different media yeah. um, so I actually want to circle back to something you, you guys just mentioned, and uh, I want to pick your both your brains about this approach to you know a, a brand having when you when you scale your business having different kinds of accounts or you know each each market has its own Instagram mm. because we've seen a lot of back and forth with mm. brands in terms of some some brands really do want to keep it contained and some brands want to expand. What's your take on that? Uh, I mean, what's the upsides of dividing and what's the downside of it mm. do you want me to go first yeah. uh, <laughs> i mean like the the downsides are that you have so much to take care of like customer service wise co mm. community management content like it gets ultimately way more complex mm. um so but why do it in the first place but because a lot of countries like to converse in their own language mm. like i think it's more of a language thing than it is anything else because okay. Like for example, we currently building you know Olaplex France mm. for them, um, and that's like been a strategy to say let's do an Instagram mm. account, TikTok account, specifically for that market. Yeah, um, because the French market is very French. They want to speak in French. They want to like. So I think, but I do think that we're getting to a place where, like, consolidation is also happening. A lot mm. of brands are like screw it we don't need this much channels like we just want to just operate from one place everyone's going to follow us on that one account so mm. I, but i do see the benefit being that you can also from an seo standpoint they were seeing social seo mm. 
playing a larger part. So when somebody's searching for like a word in French or Spanish or German, then you've got a channel there that's collecting that, right? So mm. yeah, mm. that's what I think is the benefits. Yeah. yeah. Have you noticed anything in terms of you guys want to consolidate everything? Uh, yes, because it, it depends on the limitations in your mm. business model. And, and in our business model, the limitation was that we did not necessarily have the same items across markets. Mm. So for example, our Norwegian account grew very big mm. because we focused on an, a very local assortment with local shops in the market. Uh, we didn't have the same international assortment because we mm. cannot ship across that border the same way. Mm. Uh, so that, that had its limitation. And for sure, like with the website, it converts better in local language, mm. uh, but it is very time consuming. Yeah. And it also makes it very difficult to make a bus out of it mm. because every account is going to be a small bus instead of one big bang. Uh, bang. Yeah, and, okay. and, and that to me is the win to create one place. So it's kind of one window into your business mm. instead of having to show people around different small shops. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. Thank you guys. Uh, one last question for me is, uh, since you have a such strong background in e-commerce, I know you obviously also have your opinions. What's uh, <laughs> I don't have a background. I've just got opinions. Okay, <laughs> folks. But no, I just want to. <laughs> Already's laughing right there. <laughs> I'm just roasting. Thank you. Know, you great. That's super nice. Super nice. Thanks. You. <laughs> I really appreciate it. You know how to make a. But have you guys? What's the movement here in e-commerce? Have you guys seen it? It's obviously fast expanding. But since you have a heavy background in it, where um, the progress, the evolution of e-commerce from when you started to now, what's what's it like? Uh, even though for the for the nice kind words in terms of how quickly I have jumped yeah. to uh, I've, I've been in the industry for 10 years now mm. uh, is that long no not it compared to many of our competitors or, or other professionals in the field um, but uh, it, it's progressing a lot that people go international quickly okay uh, compared to the strategy 10 years ago where you launched in Denmark maybe and then mm. you went to Sweden after a couple of years and then maybe Norway now people go Shopify or they go another international platform and mm. they go, yeah, just worldwide from day one. Okay. Uh, and then a lot of the things are automated. So setting up a shop today is way easier with tools. Uh, there's a lot of plug and play you can just tap into. Yeah. It's a lot easier. You don't need to build a big uh, system from the ground. You mm. can just tap into very well functioning machines. Okay. Um, I think that's that's moving a lot. And then of course. It's, it's beginning to consolidate in the sense of what people are willing to do to mm. make a purchase. Where just five years ago, you could get people to choose whatever payment option you wanted them to do or whatever shipping option. Now people have gotten used to the Uber feel and the, the, the vault feel. Mm. Things need to be easy, it needs to be quick. You don't need your wallet, you just pay by whatever payment option you have as a mm. preferred one on your mobile. Yeah. Uh, and now it's mobile. It's, we are 85% mobile now. Of, uh, of all transactions. Okay. So the desktop version of the website is not really a thing anymore. Okay. Uh, so mobile, quick, easy, very much yeah. uh, frictionless experience is mm. what people expect. Yeah. Do you want my opinion? Oh, do, you have, do you have opinions? <laughs> not experience, just your opinion. No, but I think off the back of that, I think like my experience also has been that um, because it is the barrier to entry is so low now, 
like having an e-commerce store is sort of easy peasy drop shipping is easy peasy like there's a lot of things that are pretty plug and play like you mentioned mm. so it's coming down to like really great branding communications and marketing like how good is your marketing right mm. so buying from this shop versus this shop versus this platform etc cetera, etc cetera. like how good is that experience when you first come into the site that people go oh mm okay, I like this versus this because mm. any person can really start setting up their own e-commerce stores now. Um, just get to Shopify, get my domain, you know, get some products up there. Mm. So it really comes down to how good are you on that side? And then also I think it's a money game as well. How much can you throw into advertising mm. and how good are you at converting advertising to actual sales to keep your ROAS up? So I'm like, that's my opinion. Just an opinion. Don't have any experience in this at all. Just an opinion. Where do you guys see uh, e-commerce is hitting then? From here to uh, the, the crystal ball into the future. I mean, because how how more seamless can it be? Do you want the future? Future? Yeah. I'm just gonna think of products and it'll show up in my doorstep. There'll be no. Yeah, <laughs> there'll be no about, shopping. Yeah, you talked. It wasn't it you talking about the metaverse shopping in there, trying stuff, digital stores. Well, I talked about like digital ass, like yeah. I think digital ass, digital assets. <laughs> I think like, I think the model of retail is going to change in that sense of, like when we get into the metaverse side of things, you're going to rent, or license okay. clothing or fashion, like essentially, and or or brands are gonna pay you to wear it, which will be interesting because if you're a, um, you know, a, a person of fame and fortune or sort of some sort of following mm. within the metaverse, brands are gonna say, and they'll be able to track it as well, oh, you're wearing this shirt of mine, um, spreading the, the brand around, mm. I'm going to give you a royalty on that, right? So I think mm. you become, people come, become walking billboards essentially yeah. in, in the metaverse. So that's the ultimate. I think that's going where it's going, but I think um, that's really far out there. Mm. Yeah. Sorry, it's a bit mm. what like do you pie see in the sky. <laughs> I'm, I'm more pragmatic than that. <laughs> that's good. I like that. I like. I love, I love that the you're a little bit more. Dreamer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, I don't even know yeah. if I'm dreaming about no. that. I just think it's probably on its way. I think we. It, it, it's only based on we. We have tested a lot, and and we continue to test every time we see something that that we also see customers want. Mm. That then we try to move on it and, and try to deliver that experience. If if and if it makes sense, we scale it. Mm. Uh, example is that everybody five years ago believed that everything would be delivered within minutes mm. at your doorstep, and it yeah. would be easy, and you could just uh, send it back. And so, we we were one of the first ones introducing ninety minutes delivery. Uh, it was at a cost of mm. 70 Danish kroner or something. Wow. So very cheap. You would just mm. get your package right away. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and nobody chose it. Okay. Basically no one. Why? Because you can get it for free in two days. Why would you bother spending money on getting Saturday, it now? Yeah. You don't need that clothing yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. The like. business would be there. If you have the option now, still <laughs> Chris will be there's buying There's for sure like a couple crazy. of heavy users, but that it's not a I mass want, market like, thing. The Volt delivery service of, or the Uber Eats delivery service of a the sweater. The way you shop, I no. think you do. Like, <laughs> the only reason you'd want it is if like you're screwed, like you're going on a date and you're yeah. like, I've got no clothing. Yeah. But even, I think you're right. I think it's it's funny that... That's the things that you think that we want, we actually don't, don't necessarily, necessarily need. Want. Okay. Yeah. That's really surprising to me, actually. So thank you guys for sharing. 
I've collected five key takeaways about how a luxury fashion retail brand, such as Minto, is utilizing social media. So the first one is Minto as an online fashion retail uses Facebook and Instagram as a customer facing channels to share content and focus heavily on page social reach to re-engage customers as well. And the second one is that luxury customer experience on social uh, as a retail without your own stock. You have to leverage social media formats to pick items to give this holistic feel, look and feel and show what customers can get within the different categories, for instance, vintage or luxury. And um, you have half a million products. So you have to focus on inspiring the brands and styles rather than showcasing individual products. And three. Communication to customers on uh, social. The content is tailored and created in a way to hook the customers and convert to sales. Four, making mental spot on digital. You have an in-house agency that focuses to connect the dots and focusing on uniting your tone of voice and communication to give the same feeling of the mental brand across the different markets and touch points instead of treating each platform separately. And lastly, number five is what drives conversions for mentors to leverage the data, focus on the trends and products to create the need to check what Minto have. So use the in-demand products as a hook to create and drive customers to check the website and mm. purchase. Like the green Crocs. The green Crocs. With the heels. Exactly. Yes. So uh, <laughs> that's it. Thank you guys for sharing and thank you guys for, li uh, for listening. Leave your uh, subscribe, leave your likes, your feedback, your... Uh, just leave those likes. Just leave everything. Just leave, leave, them. <laughs> leave them with us. Slam them down. Yeah, thank you guys for listening and stay tuned for the next one. See you guys. This has been the Social Media Sucks Podcast.